Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. The ratings are in for the uh, GOP debates. It was the most watched program on cable TV Wednesday night, although viewership down about 25% from the first one, Hammer. And uh, the Breitbart senior editor-at-large was at the Reagan Library with a front row seat, Joel Pollock. I'm very sorry you had to sit through that. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still trying to figure out how to get those eight hours of my life back. <laughs> and we don't have to sit and talk about this the, the entire conversation. I do want to ask you about you know mixing it up with Gavin Newsom there in the spin room after those debates. But just your overall unique perspective, you were there covering these debates. What was that that the American people witnessed on Wednesday? Well, it was a waste of time, not only because Trump wasn't there, but because none of the candidates put forward any kind of vision. It wasn't really a substantive discussion of what Republicans are offering the American people. At times, it was completely unwatchable. I sat there unable to follow the conversation because they were talking over each other so much. Normally, during these debates, I'm churning out articles I'm writing up fact checks of things that various candidates have said or claims that the moderators have made. I didn't write a single fact check during this debate because I just couldn't hear any factual claims. I couldn't hear any coherent ideas. There were some prepared one-liners and things like that, but it really was a mess. The one thing I'll give credit to Fox Business for doing is raising the issue of inflation and raising the issue of the border early in the debate. That didn't happen in the first debate. The border didn't get mentioned until well into the second hour of the debate in Milwaukee. But they didn't really take things in any meaningful direction, and many of the questions came out of left field. This was a debate that could have been staged by CNN. So I think there was a huge opportunity lost and the highlight for me, as you mentioned, was confronting Gavin Newsom <laughs> in the spin room. Well, you know, he's the California governor, and he came not just as a Joe Biden surrogate, but he came to troll the Republican candidates. He is a very, very good troll, but he has a very poor record here in California. So I wanted to get a chance to ask him about that and specifically about the issue that he's somehow chosen to risk his political career on, which is denying parents the right to be notified when their children tell people at school that they want to change genders. You have to get a permission slip to do just about anything if you're a kid in a school in California. But somehow if you decide to change your gender and possibly take drugs or go through surgery, mom and dad, they can't know. So, Joel, let's talk about Gavin Newsom, because I watched the debate and I'm watching the post coverage on Fox. And there's Gavin Newsom up there playing grab ass with Sean Hannity. And they're laughing. They're joking. They're talking a little policy. But it's almost like Gavin Newsom has been accepted by some members of conservative media. How did this guy 
who has done what I think is a horrible job in his state, becomes such a media darling to the point to where he's up there hobnobbing with Sean Hannity. Well, I don't know that he's been accepted as such by conservative media. I think conservative media want to interview him and challenge him, and I give him credit, actually, for going on Fox News. He wasn't too happy to see me in the spin room, but he's (laughs) gone on Hannity several times. And Sean Hannity has taken what you might call a long bet on Gavin Newsom. He thinks that Gavin Newsom is going to be the Democratic Party nominee for president. And he has brought Gavin Newsom on his show as a foil to Joe Biden. He wants to show his audience and remind his audience that Joe Biden is 80 years old and that Democrats are sticking with a president who doesn't seem to be entirely possessed of all his faculties when they do actually have younger potential candidates who are out there who have, for whatever reason, been shunted aside. And Gavin Newsom leads the biggest state by population in the union, so he would be an obvious choice, at least among others, to look at. And so he uses Newsom to bash Biden. Newsom goes on Fox to challenge Sean Hannity, and he does pretty well because the narrative on Fox is within its own bubble, just like CNN has a bubble and MSNBC has a bubble. So Newsom gets on there and he starts mixing it up with Sean Hannity. And I think it's good training for him because I do think he is going to run for president one day, if not in 2024, then certainly in 2028. And... I think he benefits from it probably on balance more than Fox News does. Newsom is very, very good. But the problem is he has a terrible record. So when you come to a conservative reporter from California like me, where I know what's going on here with Newsom and what he has done and hasn't done, and really there's a lot he hasn't done, he doesn't know where to go. So if you look at the tape of me asking him about the transgender issue and parental notification, I just said to him, why don't parents have the right to know yeah and he totally deflects yeah he says well climate change (laughs) (laughs) oh thanks appreciate that (laughs) yeah no he he didn't have an answer because there is no answer but But his administration is suing school districts who adopt parental notification policies by the way even in deep blue left california 84 percent of california voters according to one recent poll believe that parents should be notified if their kids are thinking of changing genders. That's 84 percent of California, liberal, deep blue California. And Newsom is adopting a policy against that 84 percent. So he knows he's in a tight spot, but he's got these radical LGBTQ activists who are pushing the agenda. And that's going to become a problem for him if he tries to mount a national campaign. Well, didn't he just veto some bill having to do with taking kids away from parents that don't affirm their kids' identity? It's a perfect example of the game he plays. Yeah. So there was a bill in the California legislature that would have directed courts to consider in custody battles whether a parent had affirmed a child's chosen gender identity or not. And if divorcing mom or divorcing dad insisted that the child who was born a boy must remain a boy, then maybe they would give the kid to the other parent. Now, That is pretty scary. And in fact, there was a Republican who was commenting on this bill when it passed the committee who said parents need to get out of California now. A lot of people were scared of this bill. And Newsom vetoed it, even though it passed both houses where Democrats have a supermajority. He vetoed it and he got some credit from conservatives for doing so. 
But you got to read his statement. He put out a statement explaining to the yeah. LGBTQ community why he had vetoed this bill that they wanted. And he said, well, we don't need this bill because existing law in California already yep. allows the judges to do it. <laughs> so he wasn't actually disagreeing that courts should do this. He just said, well, I don't want the legislature telling courts what to do, which was sort of a cop-out. But then he just said, hey, you can do this anyway. There's nothing to stop the courts from doing this. I'm not opposed to it. So he tells conservatives one thing, and he tells people on the left something else. And he's a very skillful politician. But Ask about electricity shortages, yeah. ask about water shortages, ask about wildfires, homelessness, crime, budget deficits. He has no answer. And this is this is all important stuff to us here in the Midwest because we could be looking at a guy that could, could be possibly running the country before too long. And you know what else, Joe Pollack, is going to be more expensive in California? Get ready. I just saw the uh, article you wrote about how Newsom signed a law requiring fast food restaurants to pay $20 an hour. That's going to be one expensive Big Mac. <laughs> well, the... Average hourly wage for fast food workers in California is already over $16 an hour. Now he's raising it to 20 and some people say that's not high enough because $20 an hour is not a minimum uh, living wage, as they call it, in California. It's not, it's not enough to afford the cost of living here. But, of course, most people who work in fast food restaurants have families with multiple incomes, a lot of teenagers, people who aren't necessarily relying on their fast food salary for all of their household expenses. Be that as it may, Newsom did this as part of an effort by Democrats to control the fast food industry. They threatened the fast food industry to set up this special industrial council that would essentially dictate terms on how fast food companies could operate, how franchisees could operate. The fast food industry then was gonna pour $120 million into a referendum opposing this policy and wow. eventually they, they climbed down and this $20 minimum wage was kind of a compromise, although the fast food companies were negotiating with a gun to their heads. But all that's going to happen is we're going to see more computers and robots oh, yeah. at fast food restaurants. I mean, I've been to fast food restaurants where you just order from a screen. Yeah. There are a few employees moving the burgers around, but... That's what you're going to see. So there are 500,000 workers, apparently, in the fast food industry in California. And the media is describing this as a great sigh of relief for these workers. And it probably will be for some because we have high inflation and so forth. But a lot of those workers are going to find out in a few months that they've lost their jobs because when you make it more expensive to hire people, companies look for machines. Hey, Joel, real quick, just before we let you go, um, we've got about 30, 40 seconds left. What's what's Newsom going to do about replacing Dianne Feinstein? Well, he's got a number of options. There are some candidates that he's hinted at before. He promised to nominate a black woman, yep. much like Joe Biden promised to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. Newsom has promised to nominate a black woman. We, we currently have two black female mayors of our two biggest cities. We've got Karen Bass here in Los Angeles and London Breed up in San Francisco. I'm sure they would be delighted to have a safe Senate seat and escape the challenge of dealing with homelessness and crime on the streets of San Francisco and L.A. But there are others as well. There's uh, Adam Schiff. He, he's a nice he's a nice looking black woman. Uh, <laughs> hey, Joel, uh, man, Barbara we got to we got to yeah. cut it right there, man. You're you're one of the best. Uh, one of our favorite guests. Uh, find his work. Breitbart dot com. That's Breitbart senior editor at large. Joel Pollack. Have a great weekend in California, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. 
Tak, vi ses.